0: Welcome to this week's podcast, at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org.
1: Father, as we we pause, as we recognize, there is nothing in this life that that is more glorious, more beautiful, and Father, more radiant than you. We chase, we chase after a lot of things. Our hearts run after the things of this world. And yet, Father, you long for us to come to you. And when we come to you, you tell us you are gentle and humble in heart. And your desire for us today is that we would have rest for our souls. For, Father, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. So today, as we gather, we lay down the burdens of our weak Father, we lay down the burdens that are weighing us down, the anxieties, the difficulties, the struggles, the conflicts. Father, we even give to you our hopes, our dreams, our passions and commitments. And Father, we surrender them to you and ask. You guide us, direct us, Lord, draw us to yourself. For we, we need you. Father, we need you. Meet us here and help us to be aware of your presence. In Jesus' name. It's good to see you guys. Please be seated. You know, we say this often that as a community, we're not just a gathering of individuals, not just a gathering of individual families. We are we're a family. That a family extends to every visitor that walks in. If you're a visitor today, hey, you're coming to a family gathering. This is a community of people that love God and love each other. And because we love God and we love each other, we wanna love Evergreen and Conifer. We wanna love Idaho Springs. We wanna love Dumont. We're gonna love Empire. We wanna love this community as God has loved us. And as a, as a community, we celebrate when there is celebration, but we also mourn when there's an opportunity for mourning. And you may be aware this week uh, that our children's director, uh, Janine McNally, stepped away from her position uh, this week and is no longer going to be serving in that area. You know, and as a family, that, that brings grieving and suffering into our lives because we miss that person, not just for what they did, but for the family, who they are, their commitment to us, their commitment to excellence, their love for your kids that you send and you bring into those rooms, the volunteers that serve with her, that's a huge and, and it's, a, it's a loss, and so as a church, you know, as a staff, as elders, we're, we're grieving that loss that Janine felt it was time for her to step away from that position. Uh, and yet we wanna acknowledge and celebrate what she's done. You know, I don't know. Some of you have been here for a while. COVID was really, really hard. Janine did an excellent job connecting to our families during that. She has built programs. We have a Wednesday night bolt program where kids that don't go to this church, but some that do gather on Wednesday night. She's created outreach programs from our fall festival to Easter. She has had a heart for our kids and she has trained by far the best volunteers. I have to say it, all the churches in Evergreen, I'm sorry, our volunteers are by far the best because she invested her heart into them. And so we wanna recognize that loss, we wanna celebrate her and we encourage you to reach out to her, let her know that she is loved and appreciated, that's important to us. But as a staff and as leaders, we got questions moving forward. We wanna learn from, we wanna learn from the past and we wanna learn from the present and then we wanna move forward and care for our kids well, and that means that we have questions as in terms of who's going to step into those roles and positions. So we're going to be going to be searching and asking those questions to find out what the Lord may have for us as we move forward in the future. Now, the reality is, we got great people already caring for us and are committed to caring for our kids. But also, let me say, you know, in every every change and transition, there's an opportunity to step into positions of leadership. And if you've been here for a while and you said, you know, this, this church, this, this community is becoming my family. How can I step into, into a role of, to volunteer, to help? Please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to know that you desire uh, to serve our kids and to serve our families in some way. Uh, that would be incredibly valuable to us. So, so with that, I just wanna acknowledge that if you have any questions for us, um, you know, as an elder board and as a staff, we wanna always seek to be an open book. We are not a perfect people, perfect leaders, but we do wanna be the kind of leadership that learns from mistakes and grows through opportunities moving forward. So please reach out to us. We love you guys. We love this church. We love Evergreen. And we wanna see this community on fire for the glory of God and the gospel. You guys with us? Thank you. Thank you for letting me share that. Hey, today, let me say, we're gonna take a little A little diversion, um, a little tired this week and kind of worn, but I felt the Lord was really directing me uh, to share something with you today. Something's been on my heart. I've preached on it a number of times, but the Lord just keeps taking me to this place of being honest about what you experience, what your emotions are, and being honest with God and with others. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. You know, so often in scripture, God says, listen, I want to be near to you. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us. I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you might cry out, Abba, Father. I want to know you and I want you to know me. Now, many Christians will say, I'm having struggles. I'm, I'm having difficulties knowing the intimacy of Christ. What do you do with that? And then what do you do when you have questions? Because see, God said, I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you, but what do you do when you feel forsaken? You're gonna be honest about it? I mean, he told you he's not gonna leave you or forsake you, and so if you admit you feel left and forsaken, then you're really not a good Christian. I mean, God said that all his promises are yes in Jesus, but sometimes those promises just seem to fall short. Are you honest about your disappointments? Are you honest about your frustrations? Are you honest about your anger with God? Now when I read the Bible, it is shockingly honest when it comes to the emotions that people express and experience. You know, we've been in the book of Ecclesiastes and as I've been going through Ecclesiastes, I've also been reading, because I just want pain and suffering. <laughs> I've been reading the book of Job. And as Ecclesiastes is filled with frustration and hurts and anger, Job just ratches it, it takes it up a notch. You see, Job Job lost everything. He lost his family, he lost his kids, he lost his livelihood, he he lost his health. Everything was taken from him and the words that Job expresses, I don't think most Christians feel comfortable with. And let me kinda tell you how I see this within the church. You know, when we gather as a church, our culture loves happiness and being blessed. Someone says, how you doing? I'm blessed, man, just blessed. What's going on, just happy? Just happy, just blessed, walking in the Lord. I don't know who you are, I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel blessed. Sometimes I'm angry, sometimes I'm crushed, sometimes I'm frustrated, but the songs we sing, we don't sing about being crushed. Jesus, I'm crushed. Ah, Jesus, I'm angry, Jesus, I'm mad. But that's true, when you read the Psalms, the Psalms are filled with anger, they're filled with frustration, they're filled with sadness, because that's life, isn't it? It's not always about being blessed and being happy. And life going great. And I think one of the reasons we don't have this intimacy with God is we're not honest with him. We're not honest with him. And some of us have thought, and I've been in this camp, you can't be that honest. He's God. And if I'm that honest with him, he's gonna strike me dead. You know, I'm gonna lose my job. Something bad's gonna, I'm gonna break my leg. I'm going skiing. You know, skiing's coming out. I'm gonna break my leg on the slopes. You can't be honest with God. But see, if you take the Bible seriously, that's not a position you can have as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible doesn't hold our concerns when it comes to emotions and expressing them, being honest before God. Instead, it's, it's shockingly honest. And so what I wanna do is just take a minute, and I'm gonna look at the book of Job. We're gonna be in chapters nine and 10. And I wanna look at Job's anger. And I wanna make you hopefully a little uncomfortable with the words that he says, and then to evaluate for yourself. You know, you may not have gone through what Job's gone through. I mean, thankfully, you probably, none of us have. But you have experienced loss. You've experienced hardship. And the reality was, in all of that loss and hardship, God was in control and God was good. But he allowed you to grow up in that neighborhood. He allowed you to have this set of parents. He allowed you to go through these experiences. He allowed you to go through this loss. God was in control. God was good, but bad things happen. What do you do with that? Well, I wanna suggest we need to start learning to do what Job does, what Ecclesiastes does, what Psalm does, so let's, let's watch this. We're gonna go into Job chapter nine, and I want you to listen to his words and really allow the words that Job speaks to connect to that inner frustration, that inner reality of loss and hardship. So listen to these words. Job chapter nine, verse one. We're gonna jump around a little bit, so, so try to, I'll try to help you keep up. And then Job answered and said, truly I know That it is so. But how can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, listen, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? Verse 11. Behold, God has passed before me, but I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Behold, he snatches me away. Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, God, what are you doing? Verse 14, how then can I answer him? Choosing my words with him, though I am in the right, I can't answer him. I must appeal for mercy to my accuser, who is God. If I summon him and he answered me, I would not believe that he was listening to my voice. For he crushes me with a tempest, And multiplies my wounds without a cause. He will not let me get my breath, but fills me with bitterness. Verse 20. Though I am in the right, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I am blameless, he would prove me perverse. Chapter 10. I loathe my life. I loathe, I loathe my life. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why you're contending against me. Does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? Your hands created me, you fashioned me. Now why are you destroying me altogether? Remember that you made me as like clay. Will you now return me to the dust? And were my head lifted up, God, you would hunt me down like a lion and again work wonders against me. You renew your witness against me and increase your vexation towards me. You bring fresh troops against me. Verse 20. Are not my days for you, God? Then cease. Leave me alone that I may have just a little bit of cheer. Yeah, that's in the Bible. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. God, leave me alone. You hunt me like a lion. You send armies and troops after me, God. You are a vexation, I cannot see you, I cannot perceive you, you take hold of me. You say you are good, you say in your control, why do you allow these things to happen? Have you prayed like that? And if you ask the question, because see, I think some of you, some of you are like, you resonate. Yeah, I'm resonating. Thank you for those words. Some of you are really uncomfortable. Because see, words like this cause you to tap into your own anger and you don't know what to do with it. And see, when you have unresolved anger, you're gonna take that out on the people around you. And that's why God said, listen, start with me, love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor. And so often we hate our neighbor as we claim to love God. And what we express to our neighbor is anger. And I would suggest the reason we express that anger to our neighbor isn't that there isn't things that we should get angry, there's stuff we should get angry about, absolutely. But the reason it comes out of us the way it does and the reason we treat other people the way we do is we don't know how to bring our anger to God. And we don't know how to surrender to him all the broken stuff in the world, all the stuff that bothers us, all the stuff that hurts us and say, Father, I'm gonna give this to you. Because here's the fact, God is God and he is in control and yet he allows these things to happen but you don't get angry at him I think sometimes we have this sanctified view of our relationship with God when the Bible's saying, just be honest. Just be honest. And if you look at the words that Job speaks, verse three, if someone wanted to take you to court, I mean, he's saying if someone wished to contend with you, if someone wished to complain against you, God, I'd bring a thousand complaints, I wouldn't win. I get it, I wouldn't win. You're gonna have some excuse, some way to explain it away. Verse 11, he says, you pass me by. I don't see you. You say you're near, but where are you? Verse 11, he moves on. I don't perceive him. Behold, he snatches me away. He grabs hold of me. Who can turn him back? And who's gonna say to him, God, what are you doing? I don't see you. I don't perceive you. And then you rush into my life, and I can't even ask you what you're doing. And verse 16, look at this. If I summoned him, and if God did happen to hear me, I don't believe he'd listen to my voice. Even if you heard my annoying little voice in the darkness, God, you wouldn't care. You don't listen to me. Now, realize what Job lost. He lost his family. He lost lost everything. Everything has been taken from him, but what is he complaining about? Now, listen, he's angry at what he lost, but think about what he, in the midst of this loss and pain, what bothers him? It's that God isn't with him in his pain. Relationships, to have a healthy relationship, you have a healthy relationship because you've shared sadness together. Sat on the couch, you've been sad together. You've been angry together when something's gone wrong. You have been hurt Together, you have been afraid together. You probably have felt shame and you shared that shame together. You have felt guilt together. You have felt emotions and those emotions have been expressed. And when you express those together, it draws you in. But what happens when you shut off your emotions to God? It doesn't draw you into God. It just isolates you from God because you're thinking, I can't express my anger to him. And you wonder why God is distant. You wonder why God isn't near because see, we're not as honest as the Bible is, we're not as honest as Job is, we're not willing to express what's happening in our own lives, and so he goes on to say in verse 20, though I am right, my own mouth would condemn me, though I am blameless, God would prove me perverse. Chapter 10, verse 8, hey, your hands created me, now you're just gonna destroy me? 16, 10, 16, were my head lifted up, you would hunt me down like a lion and again work wonders against me. 10, 12, leave me alone so that I might have just a moment of peace. It's very similar to Psalm 88. Darkness is my friend. What do you do with words like this? And does this match in any way our own experience of God? And it's not just Job. I mean, there's a book called Lamentation, It's about lamenting, and it's just as angry. There are psalms after psalm after psalm, and realize Job's anger in chapters nine and 10. It's just in chapters nine and 10. There's 42 chapters, guys, (laughs) and he lost a lot. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. How long did he sit in that? How long did his anger overwhelm him? You know, sometimes what I have to do to really get God's word into my heart is just listen to them. I memorize a lot of books to the Bible, not because I'm good at memorizing, just simply because I listen to them over and over and over until you have to remember it because it's just gonna get stuck in. So I want you to hear the words of Max McLean. Max McLean is an actor and he has done this audio recording of the Bible. And so what I did was I kind of cut some, some of Job's words, words down and I just simply want to allow somebody that's a better reader than I am to read these words. And as as they're read and as you hear these words, just listen to them and say, could you resonate with them? Could you say these things? And then ask the question, why does God allow words like this in the Bible? Listen to these words.
0: Why have you made me your mark? The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. If it is not he, who then is it? Yet you will plunge me into a pit. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. And were my head lifted up, you would hunt me like a lion and again work wonders against me. You renew your witnesses against me and increase your vexation toward me. You bring fresh troops against me. For you write bitter things against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet in the stocks and watch all my paths. So you destroy the hope of man. He has torn me in his wrath and hated me. He has gnashed his teeth at me. God gives me up to the ungodly and casts me into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease and he broke me apart. He seized me by the neck and dashed me to pieces. He set me up as his target. His archers surround me. He slashes open my kidneys and does not spare. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with breach upon breach. He runs upon me like a warrior. Know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. He has walled up my way so that I cannot pass, and he has set darkness upon my paths he has stripped from me my glory and taken the crown from my head he breaks me down on every side and i am gone and my hope has he pulled up like a tree he has kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary his troops come on together they have cast up their siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent he has put my brothers far from me god has made my heart faint the Almighty has terrified me.
1: The Almighty has terrified me. Now, you may think, okay, Job did this. Not, not, supposed, not everything in the Bible is something you're supposed to repeat. And so what does God think about what Job said? Thankfully, we have it recorded. Job chapter 42, as the book concludes, this is, this is what the Lord says. Verse Job 42, verse seven, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my anger burns against you, against your friends. Now notice, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. My servant Job, who just said, God, you hunt me like a lion. My servant Job, who just said, you cut me, you condemn me, you cast my brothers from me. Verse verse eight, Now therefore seven bulls and seven rams go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourself and my servant Job shall pray for you for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job. What do you do with that? I don't think that God's agreeing with the words that Job said. He's not saying I chased chased you down like a lion or that I was a warrior, that I came after you, that I abandoned you. He's he's not saying it's right the words he said. It's right that Job brought his anger to me. It is good. He's saying I want Job to be angry with me. I want him to express that to me. I want him to be honest with me. I want him to tell me what he's experiencing. Why? Because see, God wants Job. God wants Job. Why does God allow things in our lives? Sometimes we'll never know. But the reality is he wants us. I am with you in the valley of death. Do not fear evil. God wants to know us. But we have to be honest with him. You know, early on my ministry, my previous church, um, I lost it, I lost it with God. It was early on in my ministry, you know, I started this church, really, it was quite small. We were moving from Boston to Texas and God opened this door, loved the church, loved the people, I mean, it was awesome. But starting off in this church, it, it wasn't culturally the kind of church I wanted to be in, the music wasn't the place I wanted to be. Have you ever been in that, and you're the leader, and you didn't necessarily like some things? I loved the people, just didn't like the culture, and then the man in black showed up. It wasn't Johnny Cash, but to me, it was just as cool. He owned a coffee shop in downtown Arlington. He was a guy that I thought, man, he wants to go to my church, Started feeling good about myself. We'd get together, we'd read scripture together as a group of guys. We'd actually study the passage in my office on Sunday morning that I'd preach on uh, that Sunday. And he was a dear, dear friend. And one night, I get a call from his wife. They're rushing him to the hospital. He died of a heart attack. I'm in my early 30s and I, I was broken. And I wasn't, I was broken by his death. It was a lot of things. You know, when, when something like that happens, sometimes everything just converges together. And it was about two in the morning and I'd been with his, his wife and his kids and I was comforting them. And when you're comforting other people, you don't have a chance to be honest about what's going on. And, and I, I went back to the church, the hospitals down the street, and I, I remember going to my office and whatever reason, actually I grabbed a coffee cup that he gave me. And it had these words grace and truth and all this stuff. And I went in the sanctuary and I just threw that cup on the ground and it shattered. And I yelled at God. I just, I, there was some profanity. Cause that's where I was. And I, that might've gone on for about 30 minutes. I think I got to that place where you're so angry, you're numb, you know what I mean? Just like, okay, I don't have anything left. And I remember thinking, Oh, now you've done it. What's next? As I walk to the car, am I going to be struck by lightning? Is there a recording? Somehow my church is going to discover this, and by Sunday I'm going to be fired? None of that happened. Now, my expression wasn't right. My words were not right. But there was an intimacy with God that's born out of that honesty of frustration and pain because he did not despise me. He did not reject me. But instead he said, listen, I understand your pain. That's why books like Job are written so that we would understand that our God and Father understands our despair. And he meets us there. Man, that was huge for me. And see, because Jesus took the anger of the Father, listen, anger is out of love. When there's something that's hurting that you love, you get angry when it's hurting because you wanna stop that hurt. You wanna stop that pain. Anger is passion, it's movement towards someone else. And certainly when they're hurting, you wanna protect them. And see, God wants to protect us. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world so that the anger that was deserved for us fell on him. So that in our anger, he can say to us, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you honest with the Father? Hey, today we're gonna celebrate communion. We're gonna start doing this every Sunday and you may not have picked up an element as you walked in, that's okay. Those elements are here. Uh, They're available in the front and if you need to get up, this is an opportunity to do that and hopefully we'll start to get in this rhythm every single week of grabbing the elements, but the elements are up front. They're also in the back. We wanna give you just a moment to go grab those. And here's, here's what I'd ask you to do as you grab those, those elements is just as we, we sit back down, Lord, what are you telling me? What are you teaching me? Where are you leading me? The psalmist says, why so downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God, as we celebrate communion, we come to the heart of the gospel, that we're not accepted according to what we've done, we're accepted according to faith in what Jesus Christ has done, that through his life, death, and resurrection, he has made us whole. And So let me pray for us, and then we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Father, I pray, as we wrestle with a text like this, Lord, it's hard, it's edgy, it's It's difficult to get our arms around to understand where sin begins and honesty begins, to understand where blasphemy starts and where worship begins. Lord, passages like this, they're complex because we're complex, we're a mess. And as Job was a mess and as the psalmists were a mess, Father, we are often a mess of brokenness. And yet, Lord, we deeply long to know you. To be loved by you, to be near to you, and so, Father, let's pray for those that have unresolved pain from the past, unresolved anger, hurts, woundedness. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us as we take these elements? Would we confess our anger? Would we confess our hurt? Would we confess our frustration and our pain? Would we even confess our doubts to you that we don't believe you? We don't think you're good, we don't think you're in control, Father? Would we be honest? Before you, and in that place of intimacy, confess, Father, we need your help. We need you to draw near. That on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and gave thanks. And he said to us, to his disciples, Take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Let us receive it together in remembrance of him. same way after supper after supper Jesus he took a cup and he raised it to his disciples and he said this is my blood that is poured out for you the blood of the covenant receive this together in remembrance me." and in doing this we proclaim his life and death until he returns